old-fashioned football on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. Hey, what's up? This is Sam Acho, and you're listening to Old Fashioned Football. Old-fashioned football. Welcome to Old Fashioned Football. This is Justin. You can find me on Twitter at jmarkfootball. And but we have a really special episode today. But before I get started, let me bring in my co-host on the pod and in life. You can find her on Twitter at jmarkswifey. You can call her Mer Miranda or Mer. How are you doing today? <laughs> you can call her Mer, and then you call me something else. Now. No, I'm doing good. You always crack me up, Justin. My intro is always—you uh, never know what you're going to get. You're just flying by it's the like, seat of your pants. It's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know what you might end up with. Um, are you kidding me? You never—you just butchered a Forrest Gump quote. I did it on purpose. Leave me okay. <laughs> okay, you did it on purpose. Yeah. Um, um, what are we talking about today? You didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> I just can't get over this. You have thrown me entirely. So okay, I apologize, everybody, because I just don't even know what to say about my husband She's right not now. not really sorry, but anyways. <laughs> so let's just pick this train wreck up. <laughs> we have a very exciting episode. We have been talking about this, that we were going to bring you a not a whiskey wednesday episode this week but we're hitting thirsty thursday with a all whiskey there will be some football but a whiskey episode for you guys where we will be getting the pleasure of talking with kate douglas who is one of the distillers at keeper's heart yes or for keeper's heart at the o'shaughnessy distillery up in minneapolis minnesota yeah and not too far Um, from us Four hours no, only four and 20 hours. minutes. I looked it up. Okay. Only four hours, 20 minutes up the road. Um, Keeper's Heart is a newer whiskey to hit the shelves. Yeah. I would say. They haven't been around too long, but they're exciting because they are kind of one of a kind. I mean, they are one of a kind. They take Irish whiskey and blend with American whiskey or American bourbon I guess you wouldn't say American bourbon. You would say bourbon. Bourbon from America. <laughs> yes. <No. laughs> and um, it really creates a very unique whiskey. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the O'Shaughnessy's mm-hmm. for the O'Shaughnessy Distilling wanted to do something that kind of touched on their Irish American roots or kind of stuck to their Irish American roots. Um, and... This is just a really unique whiskey. Yeah, they brought together two master distillers. Yeah, they got David Perkins, who was the founder of High West, mm-hmm. bringing in kind of the the American rise and bourbon experience. And then they have Brian Nation, who, if you're familiar with Irish whiskey, has been a master distiller at Jameson, Redbreast, Middleton, like the best of the best. He's a world-renowned master distiller. Yes, both these guys are very well-known in the whiskey communities, and they bring them together. And kind of bring both their talents and marry them together, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And give us Keeper's Heart. Yes. And it, it is very unique and very amazing. I think we should get right into this interview. What do you think? I'm ready. I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yes. Our guest has two degrees from Colorado State University, one in food and safety and the other in fermentation, science, and technology. She was the head distiller at Old Elk Distillery in Fort Collins before joining O'Shaughnessy Distilling to help make Keeper's Heart. We're excited to talk whiskey and some football, of course, with Kate Douglas. Kate, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys today? Good. Good. It's a nice rainy day and we need the (laughs) rain, so I can't complain. (laughs) 
you know, we, we talked a little before this podcast and you're a lifelong Dolphins fan. I'm just curious, did you grow up in Florida or how did you become a Dolphins fan? You know, people always ask me if I grew up in Florida or if I have some yeah. sort of connection to Florida. I'm from New Mexico. We don't okay. have a team. We don't have like sure. any teams. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like us in Iowa. We, we just have yeah. to pick from around us. <laughs> exactly. And so um, it was actually some of my cousins started following the Dolphins and we just kind of latched on. And it's funny because now, you know, my brother and I are super into it and the cousins don't really watch football at all anymore. Um, (laughs) And so it was a funny little roundabout way, but yeah, I've been watching them, you know, my whole life pretty much. So nice. We're we're finally doing okay. (laughs) Yeah. right. (laughs) As bears fans, we know that feeling Mm -hmm. of Ah, the long periods of doing bad and finally doing okay. And it's been rough for us. It has been rough for us. We're hopeful though. We're hopeful. Yeah. (laughs) Real quick, before we continue, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is EdgeBoost. This episode is supported by EdgeBoost. EdgeBoost is the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in betting advances, which can be an extremely valuable tool. Imagine what you can do with an increased bankroll. Get down on some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll for months. Maybe you want to take the Dolphins to win the division. Double down on your favorite bet you like, or even use to create an awesome middle or even maybe a hedge. EdgeBoost isn't some sleazy loan shark as they charge zero interest. Do you know of a way you can access more money to place on your favorite bets without paying interest? Support SGPN and grow your bankroll by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. Well, as a Dolphins fan and fantasy football player, <laughs> I have heard about your all-women's fantasy league, which really yes. intrigues me. <laughs> We're called the V um, League. <laughs> oh, nice. oh, we have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, It sounds like it would be fun. So we have a, a couple of football questions for you before we get into all things whiskey and keeper's heart. I'm going to kind of start with the Dolphins then since we're already talking about them. Um, It kind of seems like their success has been relying on the health of Tua this last year at quarterback. Yeah. Um, And he seemed to take a step forward and play when healthy, though. Um, I I really I had him as one of my quarterbacks on in one of my leagues. So when he was healthy, I, he did really well for me. But what are your thoughts on Tua in general and if he's going to be able to stay healthy this year? Well, I wasn't sold on him when we got him. Um, mm-hmm. And then with the concussions last season, like when he got hit in the Bills game, you know, he shouldn't have gone back in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then that next week when he had the really bad concussion and like his hand seized up and everything, I was like, that's a career ender right there. Like, I don't even think yeah. he should come back. Yeah. Um, so it's been hard. There was so much support behind him. Um, but I just worry for his, his own safety, his own health. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly don't know if he's going to make it through this season. Yeah, I I I worry for him too because it's like if he takes another hit and he has another that's so bad for him as an individual. <laughs> like yeah, football aside, like I can't imagine risking that and I don't know. Right? And I know scary. I know he's like wearing a different helmet now to try and prevent mm-hmm. concussions and everything, but when you have so many back to back like that's scary. <laughs> It's yeah, really for sure. Scary. He he reportedly considered retirement this off season, um, and I can't say that I blame him. I mean, I know the guys out on the field; they love the game, they're passionate about it. But when you hear all the stories of these guys that played twenty years ago and they can't remember their way home and everything, it, it, it's a very scary thing. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great game to watch, but it is physically brutal. Yeah. So, for sure. And you got to think about, you know, your, your long-term health and ultimately it is just a game. It is just a career. If you, you know, yep. know what you're doing outside of it, then sometimes you got to weigh those options. Yeah. So as a lifelong fan, who's your favorite past Dolphins player and your favorite current Dolphins player? I mean, can anyone not say Dan Marino? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean he was such oh so good yeah. um 
I mean, he's he's a classic. I think I have like two or three of his jerseys upstairs. Nice. Um, but then most recently, or more recently, I was sad to see Jarvis Landry leave, but excited about the the team that we have now. Um, yeah, love watching Waddle play. Yeah, he's, yes. he's really fun. And then Tyreek Hill, I wasn't a huge fan when he came into the league, but oh he did really? <laughs> yeah, there were just a few things, but he's uh-huh. been an incredible player. Um, and you know he's a cheetah <laughs> he's so <funny. laughs> um so it's been fun seeing him you know in in our turquoise and orange <laughs> miranda is a big tyree kill fan i, I am you like just him a lot. <laughs> i yeah fantasy fo- i'm a huge fan of him because of fantasy football Let's yeah, just yeah. Say that. <laughs> well i mean he racks up the points yes yeah, for sure so yeah as a bears fan I always have these very high expectations. They never seem to meet them. Uh, what are your expectations for the Dolphins this year? And kind of how do you think they'll do in this division? Because it is kind of a tougher division. It is. I mean, we've got the Bills, which, I mean, those games were so good last year. I'm actually going yeah. to one of the Bills games this year. The Bills-Dolphins awesome. in Miami in January with my family. I think it'll be the us and the Bills at the top again. Mm-hmm. Once Brady left the Patriots, they've kind of gone to the wayside. A little nervous about the Jets, honestly. Um, Just because last year they had like a surprise stretch. And then Mm -hmm. I don't know about with with Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. That's going (laughs) to happen. But I mean, I think if Tua can stay healthy or if we have a, a solid quarterback, you know, we've got great you know receivers and whatnot so i think it'll be between us and the bills yeah um as a bears fan i'm glad rogers is not in our division anymore <laughs> yeah. but so, good luck with that yeah but, but he's getting <laughs> yeah, to that point where... at the end are so stressful <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah he is getting to that point though i don't feel like he's at that much of a threat it just seems mm-hmm. like he saves his best games for against the Bears. It seemed like that every year. So well, Bears um, were or against the Cowboys. He would always come back yeah. on the Cowboys and just yep. destroy <laughs> him. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad. Good riddance to him. That's what I say. <laughs> oh, so um, I already mentioned you are in an all women's fantasy league. What kind of fantasy football leagues do you participate in? Like redraft, dynasty. So it's a redraft. Redraft. Okay. Redraft with a a standard snake snake draft. I haven't done auctions. I've been hearing you guys talk a lot about the auctions Mm -hmm. and the dollar values and that that part I don't have experience in. (laughs) No, that is okay. We we started with just redrafts when we were first starting and then we got into auction and it's it's addicting trying all the different like being a part of all these different leagues and (laughs) yeah no I'm tempted Mm -hmm. to just do well I'm tempted to try and get one started with the distilling team but I'm tempted to do an auction league this year just to to kind of see what it's what it's like try it out yeah you definitely it seems like you can get super nitpicky and yeah it's a lot a whole other level in yes it's a lot of strategizing and like you just don't know like some people will really go really bid really high on someone and they'll blow their whole budget and then it's harder to get so is there like a bidding war or is it just like Mm -hmm. highest bid Um, so there's a bidding war uh basically in your draft everybody if you're starting from scratch you have a 200 dollars budget that's kind of the standard Mm -hmm. um and you nominate a player and then it's just like an auction everybody can start bidding and uh depending on what platform you use there's a countdown um and it seems like as it's counting down you're at going once going twice and right at going twice somebody bids you think you have your player somebody jumps in there and yeah, then it, it resets to 10 seconds and you got to think like, oh, do I want to go more on this guy? Mm-hmm. It's, it does get, uh, it gets very intense during drafts. We actually can't sit in the same rooms anymore. No, we can't. We have to draft well, in opposite rooms of the house. Yeah. At least you learned. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is oh. fun though. So what are your draft strategies? Do you have any that particular draft strategy you follow? Do you always go running back first or do you just kind of, does it depend? It really depends on draft order 
Mm -hmm. I mean, because sometimes you get stuck with almost, you know, two rotations of of not getting a pick. So um, it really just depends, you know, who's available. Yeah. But typically wide receiver or running back first. Sure. Mm -hmm. Do you have a number one forget this year? Uh, She's like, I don't want to tell in case somebody. (laughs) In case one of the girls is listening. Right. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, it really depends. Being in Minnesota, Justin Jefferson is is definitely a a high Mm -hmm. one. Model, of course, Harry Kill. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll find out on draft day. Yes. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Before we keep going, I want to give one more shout out to our sponsors. And this one is us. That's right. We're running two contests. Us as in the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We've got the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Final Contest. We've got two more free contests for the Stanley Cup and NBA Finals. And are exclusively on the SGPN app. Series props, game props, you name it. $100 SGPN gift card up for grabs for each contest. Download the SGPN app and enter today. This is Jim Miller, former Chicago Bears quarterback. Now, back to old-fashioned football. All right, well, let's switch to to Whiskey and Keeper's Heart, which is relatively new on the whiskey scene, but it seems to be growing quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, We already gave a little bit of history, but we want to get some more information kind of from your perspective. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a pretty fun history, um, and it's very family-based. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, our founders, Michael and Patrick O'Shaughnessy, they're cousins. Um, Patrick lives here in St. Paul and Michael lives in Wichita and they were at a family reunion one year sitting around with a bunch of O'Shaughnessy's cause they're spread out across the country. Um, and talking about, oh, you know, how great would it be to, to have a whiskey brand of our own and a distillery in some place that the family could all come and hang out and all this stuff. And then the next morning, some of them were like, that's a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> then Patrick, Michael, and Michael's dad, Jay, were like, nah, is it that bad of an idea that could actually work? Um, and so then, you know, you get Patrick set on something and he's just going to run with it. So he started doing a bunch of research along with Michael, and then they started reaching out to to Irish distillers because they really wanted to highlight their Irish um, heritage. You know, they, they could follow them, their family back from when they came over from Ireland and landed and then worked their way over to Minnesota with the logging industry. And one of the great grandfathers was a boot maker. And I mean, they've got the whole story down set. (laughs) Um, And so they really wanted to highlight that Irish side. And, you know, the first couple of people they talked to, they're like, you're never going to get an Irish distiller to move to Minnesota of all places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think Patrick reached out to Brian on LinkedIn, just a message like, hey, we're looking to start this brand. We're wondering if you just want to chat. Um, and Brian, you know, as master distiller of Irish distillers at Middleton, you know, making mm-hmm. Jameson, Redbreast, the Spot Whiskeys, Powers, you know, so much of the the Irish whiskey that we mm-hmm. get here. Um, he he's like, okay, we can have a conversation, but I'm not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> because I mean, why why would he? He had a dream job that you know, over the last hundred years, he was the third master distiller of the company and. Um, it's really something that you either retire in or die in. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he said, yes, we can have a conversation. <laughs> and so Patrick and Michael and Jerry were like, all right, let's get on a plane. They reached back out to Brian said, we'll be there in three days. And, you know, we'd love to have you and your wife, Una come to dinner and, and talk. And Brian was kind of, you know, excited about it because most people didn't, involve Una in the business side of things and Una is an Mm -hmm. incredible woman and they went and had dinner didn't really talk about whiskey at the end the O'Shaughnessy's were like Brian good luck at Middleton we'll just take Una (laughs) 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 and 
you know, Brian and Una got in the car and Una's like, if we didn't have three kids, I'd say we should get on the plane with them. And they really didn't talk about whiskey. It was more just about life and family. And I think having that kind of connection really made Brian rethink whether or not he wanted to leave Middleton. And ultimately they decided to, to make the move. And of course they tried to come over in 2020 and the world was shut down. Yes. (laughs) And so, and then they had issues with visas and all of that. So they broke ground on the distillery in 2020. And then Brian got here August of 21. So there was a lot of waiting and, you know, we had to develop a whiskey in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of shipping samples back and forth. I and mean, I think it took them like, I don't know the numbers always change, but I, for some reason, <laughs> I always want to say it was like 143 different renditions of, of blending Irish and American whiskeys together before they decided on Keeper's Heart, the, the current blend of Irish and rye whiskey. <gasps> Nice. That's really interesting. No, that is. Yeah. Like that's a fascinating story. I we didn't know any of that. I did not. <laughs> no. I, I was curious how Brian's involvement came mm-hmm. about. I would definitely was because I mean that's he's a guy that kind of when you think Irish whiskey, people that know Irish whiskey really well, they think Brian Nation. Mm-hmm. So very mm-hmm. interesting. Yes. Yeah. I, I have a question like for you for your path. Um I know we already mentioned your degrees at Colorado State. Um, but when did you first decide that you wanted to get into distilling? Well, I didn't realize that like whiskey was a path that you could go down <laughs> with a fermentation degree for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, you know, being at CSU, Port Collins is such a beer centric town. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in the first graduating class of the fermentation program and we were, you know, brewing on campus a couple times a semester and then off campus a couple times. So, you know, at Odell, working with New Belgium, working with these smaller breweries, that that's the direction that I thought I was going to go. I always enjoyed drinking whiskey, but didn't really think of it as like a a valid option to go into. Um, Until funny enough, I walked into Target, which is where I used to work my (laughs) senior year. And I ran into my old boss um, and we were talking and she's like, well, what do you want to do? What's your game plan? And I told her I was just kind of looking for an internship to try and figure out what I wanted to do long term. She's like, oh, my gosh, my boyfriend is a distiller and he could really use an intern. Like, would you mind if I gave him your phone number? I was like, Allie, I literally told you that I'm looking for an internship. Like, <laughs> your boyfriend needs an intern. Like, I'm your gal. <laughs> um, and at the time, he was um, he was at Old Elk Distillery. And mm-hmm. funny enough, I now work with him again here at Keeper's Heart. Um, so that was just a fun, fun little story. But yeah, I started making whiskey the Monday after graduation. And then when... Chris ultimately moved back out here or moved to uh, Minnesota to be with his now wife. I took over as head distiller there and worked with Greg Metz, uh, the master distiller there and formerly of MGP and did that for a while. And then, you know, that kind of fizzled out and ended and was looking and I looked at, you know, places in Kentucky. I was looking, you know, on the East coast kind of all over. Um, And then Chris you know, who had been hounding Brian when he first announced that he was going to O'Shaughnessy to be like, hey, I really want to work here. Like, I've been waiting for a whiskey distillery to open up here. Like, I I went back to beer after making whiskey, and I really want to get back into whiskey. Here are some samples of stuff that I made. Um, so once he got hired, he was, you know, bringing in the equipment and constantly sending me pictures. Oh, look at this pot still we just got. Look at this other pot still. Look at this column still. <laughs> look at this. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Fine. Okay. Let's have a conversation. Because um, I gave him so much crap for moving to Minnesota. <laughs> and now here I am. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so he's been a nice little guiding light in my career. Um, nice. It was a good choice. I mean, once I saw the facility, it definitely solidified my decision. Because, um, I mean, the brew house is beautiful. We've got three beautiful pot stills from Forsyth. Um, 
a great column setup from Vendome. So it's, you don't normally get, you know, column distillation and pot still distillation in mm -hmm. the same facility. Yeah. So it's, it's super unique. And as a distiller for a place to learn and to be working with Brian Nation. Um, and then, you know, when David Perkins came on, like it was just getting to work with the greats is pretty incredible. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So you got your two degrees. Did you do them both at the same time? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Funny enough, I only needed like one capstone to get my food safety degree since okay. I had already taken so many of the classes for fermentation. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, well, why not? Let's, yeah. let's go for it. <laughs> Throw it on there. Yeah. What I definitely is your... use the fermentation degree more than the, the food safety degree. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what is your day-to-day -day like there at the distillery? Um, well, right now, so currently we're on a shift schedule. And so it's 12-hour shifts. It's mm -hmm. either 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And that rotates a lot. So it's a lot of time away from the distillery because the max days you'll work in a week is four, but then you have like six days off and then you work two days and then have, you know, a couple more days off. So it, it rotates a lot. And we typically mm -hmm. rotate between the brew house and the still house. So okay. there are always two distillers um, on shift, one brewing, one distilling. Uh, so it depends on what side you're on on the brew side you're milling fermenting like brewing fermenting uh cleaning a lot on that side if you're distilling typically that's you know running the pot side and the columns at the same time and then mm -hmm. barreling product as you go rehydrating barrels if we need to um you know checking your gravities um making sure that you're your distillate is coming off nice and tasty. Um, it's a lot of putting out, you know, little little fires, a lot of troubleshooting things. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, being one of the managers, it's, you know, trying to manage the team while you're on shift, you know, tasting our distillate from throughout the previous week to make sure that everything is uh, tasting as it should. But after the 4th of July, I will switch to doing more day shift managing, managing okay. side of things. So a lot more quality focused, liquid focused, mm -hmm. um, working on single barrels and barrel finishes and whatnot. So. Oh, very cool. Awesome. Yeah. We, yeah. we talked to a, a distiller before and they said they didn't realize how much janitorial work would be uh, involved with being a distiller. <laughs> Lots you know, of in. <laughs> it's, it's not nearly as much as brewing. Really? <laughs> oh Yeah. Because brewing, you're not once once you finish brewing a beer, you know you're gonna ferment it, but then then it's just going into a can, a bottle, a keg. So if something goes wrong, if you get some sort of like bacterial infection or you know some wild yeast goes in there, it's gonna change the flavor and you're screwed. Okay. <laughs> Distilling, if you have a little bit of funk in there, it's gonna give you really nice esters on the back end after distillation so that's okay so, so funk like, is good <laughs> funk is good um, so like brewing you're you're cleaning mm -hmm. um you know with with a caustic after every single fermentation yes. distilling we clean our fermenters like once a month or so okay nice so, that's interesting yeah it is <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's a weird switch when you switch from the brewing industry to distilling because mm -hmm. it's like wait you can you can just set that hose down right there and you don't have to like sanitize it right after or we're not going to totally do a CIP and an SIP. You don't have to purge anything like what? <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a little bit about uh, Brian Nation for, I guess, the past several years, my parents have been just irish nuts i guess they love crazy about everything ireland and anything irish, irish. <laughs> and um so they're actually the ones that introduced us to keepers heart mm -hmm. because they they knew brian nation and they're like pretty much every irish whiskey they're like oh we gotta try this but what's it been like working with brian nation and david perkins oh it's been great you know brian's traveling a lot with getting the the brand off the ground and whatnot but 
you know, David Perkins isn't there all that often, but when he is, you know, it's sitting down and it's tasting through everything and, you know, getting to blend with both of them. I, uh, it was the three of us working on the Irish bourbon blend, which was mm-hmm. just a super incredible experience. Um, cause they're both so knowledgeable. You know, Brian has this incredible wealth of knowledge in, you know, everything from, brewing, fermentation, distillation, blending, and all of that on the Irish side, which I was super, you know, blind to for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I had some Irish whiskey, but I was definitely more like bourbon and rye focused at Old Elk, you know, and David has, David's like this quirky, almost hippie-esque guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, And they both just have this incredible knowledge base and it's funny sitting down and hearing them kind of banter back and forth but it was it's it's really great it's kind of a a dream come true getting to work with such incredible distillers and blenders nice nice and what's your what's your favorite part of distilling at keeper's heart is it just getting to work with people like that or the uniqueness i guess between having like you said the the copper stills and the column distill what's kind of your favorite thing yeah i mean i think i think it's a combination of you know having the the variety and experience of you know learning triple pot distillation and how different that distillate tastes from the column distillations. Um, Mm -hmm. And then everything we're doing on the pot side is kind of like the world's first almost. Mm -hmm. Like we we're just finishing up our campaign of doing a triple pot distilled rye whiskey and the flavors coming off of that has been absolutely incredible. I Um, can only imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're getting ready to start a campaign of triple pot distilled bourbon um, which, you know, has never really do- been done before. The rye has never really been done before. Um, we, you know, we wanted to do most, mostly it hasn't been done before because the pot stills aren't very conducive to doing grain on distillation. So we actually had to modify our Forsyth wash still um, because of the heating element with, without modifying it, the grain would just sink to the bottom and scorch and scorched grain gives a terrible flavor (laughs) that you don't want (laughs) which is why in ireland and then the classic irish style you louder everything Mm -hmm. so you separate your grain from your liquid while the american side doing column distillation you do everything grain on so Mm -hmm. um just getting to be a part of something that is going to be so historic is is really cool and you know blending Irish and American whiskeys on a finished whiskey side of things is cool because that I mean I think Jameson did it a little bit before I think it was World War II Um, they had an Irish and American blend Um, and then after that it had never really been done but the the Irish whiskey blends incredibly well with with Americans so it's just it's fun being at such a a unique company in in so many different Mm-hmm. for sure i well i think i might i guess i don't know what has been your favorite product you've worked on in your entire distilling career in my entire career that's a toughie <laughs> <laughs> i mean the irish bourbon is definitely up there because of getting to literally sit in the lab with brian and david and taste you know a bunch of different bourbons to see what kind of bourbon mash bill we wanted to use mm-hmm. and then go through, you know, with our little beakers and graduated cylinders and try <laughs> different blends. And like, it was just, it was so cool to be sitting with them um, while working on that and kind of tinkering through the recipe. So I'd say that, and then blending and bringing to market the weeded bourbon at Old Elk. Yeah. Um, Cause that's one of my, my favorite recipes that we did there. And while I was head distiller there, I was doing most of the blending. Once we switched to the new bottle, I was blending everything up until I left. And that's just so cool. It's a blending is super cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sure. sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, we haven't been able yet, like we haven't had an opportunity yeah. yet to <laughs> get up to the Keeper's Heart Distillery or the O'Shaughnessy, O'Shaughnessy Distillery, yeah. distillery mm-hmm. yet. Um, but we really need to. We really, um, we it's not have that long of a drive. No, and I do have family just over the border in Minnesota too, so we see them once in a while. And yeah, that's not that. Far. I think no. it's a four hour drive from us. So we yeah. don't have an excuse <laughs> oh, yeah. to make yeah. time to I, get there. But I mean, I did not drive. I was down in Iowa City or no, Sioux City not that long ago, um, mm-hmm. doing a dinner. And then I'll be in Waterloo uh, in August for the Irish Festival. So if I can make the drive, you guys can make the drive. Come That's on right. up. <laughs> I look at the website, it just looks like an amazing place. Um, and I saw that there was a lot of different experiences that the distillery offers to the public, and you don't see that a lot right. around here. Um, could you tell us about some of those different experiences that Absolutely. even our listeners, if they're in the area, can stop by? And yeah, yeah. So we have a couple. Um, mm-hmm. Our most standard and our most like widely available um is going to be the standard tour and tasting and so mm-hmm. that you get to go with some of our whiskey educators and talk about brewing fermentation distillation and then um at the end you do a tasting and that includes tasting the irish pot still the irish grain and the american rye that goes into keeper's heart you taste them individually and then you taste oh, nice. the finished product Um, And so that really just helps people kind of understand what each product gives to keepers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love it because then you can sit down with someone and be like, oh, well, this whiskey tastes like honeysuckle. And someone else is like, well, this one tastes like Welch's white grape juice. And like it just (laughs) people will taste so many different things. Mm -hmm. and, And then because each individual has a unique palate and you know your your sensory is so close to like your memory so you'll you'll think of things that you know someone else hasn't experienced or you'll have different verbiage for for what you're tasting and it's just really cool to sit down and taste each thing and then try keepers as a whole and really be able to pick up what flavor is coming from what whiskey um And then you can take that one step further and do the blending class, which I believe is offered every other Saturday. And that, you know, you go on a tour and then you sit down, you do the tasting, but then you get to actually make your own blend. So you'll talk about, you know, blending theory and, you know, why you take, you know, why we use the pot still and the grain whiskey and then the rye. Uh, And then you get to blend your own. So if you like something that is maybe more, pot still heavy you can make that if you like something that's more rye heavy you can make it if you only want to use two of the whiskeys go for it and so you get three renditions and then your last one can get made into a cocktail so it's kind of fun just to to let people see you know kind of some of that art of blending Mm -hmm. Um, because there are sometimes when people's like this is terrible (laughs) I'm not doing that one again you know and, and you'll just kind of it's it's just fun to see what people come up with and um it also gives a nod to to the blenders of the world that you know it is an art form yeah um, so that's fun and then we also do a cocktail class um with some of our bar staff um so just a way to kind of educate people on how to use keeper's heart um and I think they'll make a Manhattan and kind of talk about the history of that specific cocktail, which is fun. So that's that's one thing that I love about whiskey. It's always, you know, taking something one step further. You basically make beer, take it one step further into a distillate, which, you know, can then be made into vodka or gin or whiskey if you maturate it. And then you, you mature that into an aged product and then you can drink that neat or you can put it in a cocktail or you can bake with it or you can cook with it. And it's just something that's ever evolving, which I absolutely mm-hmm. love. Oh, for sure. A lot of unique offerings too. I mean, I can't think of anything I've, a distillery I've been to where you get to do like the blending and everything. That sounds awesome. That does. So yeah. sign me up. <laughs> we, we need, when we go, we need to go on a Saturday yeah. that they're doing that. Right. Absolutely. Yes. 
Absolutely. Um, and then you can finish with, you know, a cocktail or two. And we just released a new menu uh, from the kitchen and there's some really good food too. Awesome. So, I mean, I, we, I feel like we've named a bunch of things, but uh, kind of just in a, in a nutshell, what do you think sets Keeper's Heart apart from other, other whiskeys? Uh, I mean, I think it's, you know, taking a legendary distiller and, you know, kind of letting him really play and put something new into the market and, mm-hmm. you know, blending Irish and American whiskeys together because it's just, it's such a great flavor combination. Um, and then we really listen to our consumers, you know, mm-hmm. we, we released the Irish American, which is the Irish and rye blend. Um, and then we released the Irish bourbon blend and we were doing single barrel finishes of the Irish American and, you know, that we typically release at 110 proof. And everyone's like, I, you know, I love these finishes, but can I also just get that 110? We're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, no, that's not available. Um, well, now it's available. And then, you know, people were saying, oh, I love this Irish bourbon. You know, it's at a higher proof than the Irish American, but I'd really love to see what it was like at cask. Uh, so now we're we're bottling the Irish bourbon at cask proof right now. So, you know, we are listening to our consumers constantly, mm-hmm. which I think is fun and not not everyone does, or at least not at the, the speed, the rate that we're doing. So right. Um, I think that cool. definitely sets us apart. Yeah. Uh, so this is the part of the podcast that I always call like the heavy editing part, because we're going to see if you <laughs> walk us through some tastings, because um, uh, we have the Irish American and the Irish bourbon, but with tastings, there's always some pausing and everything. So Absolutely. Like, we'll, All right. we'll cut All the right. pauses out so listeners aren't just having silence. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, we'll start with the, you have both of them in the background, right? Yes. Yep. yep, yep. We do. Okay, so we'll start with the Irish American uh, because it is at a lower proof. Um, So this is going to be a blend of four-year Irish pot still, four-year Irish grain, and four-year American rye. Because all of this is four years and because it has Irish, we clearly did not distill this whiskey. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, It is a blend of other people's product. but that's one thing that Brian is very adamant on. He will not release something that we did not make or we did not tweak in some way, shape, or form. So sure. like we also have a 10-year Irish single malt that we then finished in Malaga wine casts. So we wouldn't we wouldn't release it if we didn't finish it in something. So with this one, we we blended the two Irish and the one rye. And go ahead and take a whiff. Yeah. Uh, if you get too much alcohol burn, just open your mouth a little bit, um, and that kind of helps get more of the flavor instead of the alcohol. It definitely smells like an Irish whiskey. It does, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, the yeah. Irish whiskey has a certain smell, yep. and this smells like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. You get that like rich earthiness from the pot yes. still. Mm-hmm. It was actually the pot still that uh, David, per- David Perkins said. Uh, reminded him of the Welch's white grape juice. Oh, really? and <laughs> Brian was like, for fuck's sake, what is that? Like, I've never even heard of that. And so immediately someone from our staff went to the store, bought some white grape juice, brought it in. Brian smelled it and he's like, that's terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do understand where what David was, was thinking with that pot still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely get that earthiness. I get a little bit of um, like a, a bright citrus, almost a lemon. A fruity. Citrus. There was, yeah. yeah. I was trying to identify the fruit. It's, it is a citrusy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's coming from the, the grain whiskey. I'm going to rely on you too because my allergies have been going insane. <laughs> oh, no. Bad. Right <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I don't smell a lot right now because of that. But. <laughs> Well, and the other thing with with sensory is, you know, it takes a lot of practice and being able to, you know, put your, what you're tasting into an actual word. Yes. (laughs) Um, I always like to have Nancy Fraley made an incredible um, whiskey flavor wheel Mm -hmm. that I will often look at and be like, okay, it's floral, but it's not roses. It's not this, uh, geranium yep that's the one or like it's you know just go through and so i always recommend like 
if you want to get really nerdy, get that flavor wheel. Um, just because it it helps you kind of put words to mm-hmm. to what you're tasting. That's and that's my problem. We like do these like I call these like blind tastings where we're not told what you know like what you should get what out of it. Should get, yeah. mm-hmm. It's like well, mm-hmm. I know what I'm tasting, but I don't know how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, There's so much pressure. Did, definitely get a whiskey wheel. It, <laughs> it does wonders. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Mm. We'll go ahead and take a sip and enjoy it. It's super smooth. It is very smooth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this um, one has more, like I would say that the the pot still is like mm-hmm. the base component. Mm-hmm. And we kind of built on top of that pot still flavor. Um, so you get that really nice warming in your chest, but not the heat. Super smooth. It's not. There's no, like, we've tried so many things like, oh, well, this one, the heat is right at the tip of your tongue or it's mm-hmm. like towards the back or it's right in your throat. There isn't, it's not hot. It's warming yeah. down here. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And a lot of that, you know, that really smooth mouthfeel, that warming flavor is due to the style of distillation. So with that pot still, because mm-hmm. of the shape of the actual still, it allows more oils to come through. Okay. So you get a more velvety, creamy texture. Um where with the bourbon, you'll kind of see a, a slight switch in mouthfeel because it's more bourbon heavy, which was made on a column still. So yeah. okay. a little okay. fun fact for you. Yeah. Yeah. Creamy. It definitely has like a creamy. Yeah, I was going to say kind of a texture. fuller body. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And you get that earthiness, that like stewed fruit um, that is, is so quintessential of, of pot still. And then I get the rye spice on the end. Mm-hmm. yes that's a good way to describe it it's definitely the yeah the finish of spice yeah yeah <laughs> i always pick up i feel like i the more whiskeys that i'm trying and trying to like analyze i get the weird weird taste and everybody's like uh what but i get like warm apricot just a little warm apricot flavor apricot? for some reason i don't know why <laughs> yes that yes yeah. yeah no that's <laughs> spot on that is spot on, my friend. I'm getting better at it, maybe. <laughs> you are, right? <laughs> maybe the people are giving me weird looks. Like... For that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no, apricot is definitely something that I pick up. Now that I said it, I bet you get it. Yeah, there yeah. was a fruit in it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, kind of apricot. Yeah, y'all will have to come up to mm-hmm. the distillery and do the tasting because you'll taste the the grain whiskey which is very sweet and citrusy and a little bit of honey but it's it's a very thin thin whiskey like it finishes very mm-hmm. crisp and then you've got mm-hmm. the pot still which is very thick and creamy and earthy and a little bit of spice and then you've got the rye which is just super spicy and then like it'll totally change keeper's heart for you <laughs> Yeah, I bet. <laughs> you'll have to come up because it's so so yes. cool. Yeah. Oh, this is very good. It's, it is uh, very good. Like very smooth, mm-hmm. but it's got the warming, the nice spice finish, and it's just yeah, it's got a little sweetness, just not overly sweet, but it's yeah. just got that it, little it's underlying. Subtle. Yeah, it's a little subtle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Makes a great old fashioned. It blends really well in cocktails. That's another thing that Brian. Um, was very intentional on like he wanted it to be you know that you can sip it or have it really stand up in a cocktail because so much Irish whiskey gets lost in a cocktail that you really Mm -hmm. just don't even use it for that um but the the rye backbone um in keepers really helps it kind of stand out um and what I didn't know for the longest time was that a lot of bartenders will actually mix whiskeys when they're making a an old-fashioned in order to kind of get the the flavor profile that they want mm-hmm. um i learned this from pip our our beverage director um and with keepers you don't have to do that because you already have such a complex base spirit True. that you just you know add a little yeah. bit yeah. of sugar a little bit of orange zest and some yeah some you're, and, <laughs> yeah, you're all set yeah that is very good we were recently at a restaurant that they listed 
two different whiskeys. And it was in the an first old fashioned old I had that had two whiskeys. Yeah. Um, that you knew of. That I knew of. <laughs> yeah. That I knew of. But normally, you know, when you're ordering, it tells you it's in what, everything. What's in and, it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I wasn't aware that so many bartenders would mix whiskeys. But I mean, it makes sense if you're just looking for a, a more complex flavor that you would mm-hmm. need to to blend a couple together. Uh, and we already did the blending for you. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So this next one is the Irish bourbon. Um, it is at 92 proof compared to the 86 of the Irish American. So with this product, we really... <laughs> bourbon drinkers love their bourbon. And they don't always like to stray from bourbon. Yeah. Um, so we wanted a product that was was very much bourbon forward, but still had that that pot still flavor to it. Um, and turns out if you just blend pot still and bourbon, it kind of lacks something. And so we added some some of that green whiskey in there as well. Uh, and it just helped everything pop. It was just that perfect little, you know, blender. <laughs> like, you know, something that, that really pulls everything together and highlights the best of, of each product. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be a very different flavor profile and mouthfeel compared to the Irish American. It it smells sweet. Yeah. Caramely. A nice, yeah, mm-hmm. a nice bourbon smell mm-hmm. to it for sure. Yeah. I mean, corn is, is a super sweet grain and then you're going to mm-hmm. get more caramel and more vanilla because, you know, bourbon, um, bourbon and American whiskey in general is, is aged in a, a new barrel. Whereas Irish whiskey is always aged in used barrels. And mm-hmm. so because this one has a higher percentage of bourbon, um, you're going to get a lot more of that caramel, a lot more of that oakiness coming through, that sweetness from the corn. So it's it's very different. Yeah. You still get a little bit of spice from the, the rye that's in the bourbon mash bill, but mm-hmm. definitely that sweetness comes through. Since I'm not smelling really well, I went right to the taste. <laughs> you're just like, I'm just tasting. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> You know, I always say when you're drinking whiskey, you're not wrong in how right. you drink it and what you get. Like right, you're yeah. all set when you're drinking whiskey. What are you getting on the flavor or on the nose? Uh, it's really got a nice oaky oakiness at first, um, but it's very smooth. That one I feel like is more forward warming, and then mm-hmm. when it goes down, there's no. I mean, there's not mm-hmm. that much warmth. It's just a nice smooth finish. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's because more of it is made on the column still. So the heat is kind of in the front of your mouth Mm -hmm. compared to as it goes down your throat. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. There's Mm -hmm. heat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with this one, for me personally, I get, you know, more of that bourbon flavor, Mm -hmm. you know, right off the bat, a little bit of the pot still on the finish and then like as I exhale I get that that citrus note from the green whiskey which I always think it's funny mm-hmm. how how different yeah. they taste you know where where those yes. whiskeys pop in your mouth <laughs> for sure well, this is definitely has the smoothness of the yeah from the pot still and mm-hmm. and you can tell that it's a little um thinner than the Irish American mm-hmm I still feel like it's really full, like full body. I, it's like? creamy to me yeah. still, like compared yeah. to, it still is to me. <laughs> and like I said, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're drinking whiskey. You're not wrong. Right. You know. <laughs> so is the plan? Um, are you guys going to eventually make your own? Obviously, you can't make your own. You, Irish whiskey in its true form because we're not in Ireland, but is the plan to make like your own bourbon and rye and all that? Um, so probably not to go into the blends. Okay. Right now, a lot of our column distilled product is actually being contract distilled. So we are selling it as we make okay. it. Um, we're keeping all of the pot still product for ourselves and that'll be released um, on its own after you know, three to four years, depending on how it's tasting. Um, Kind of the first two years of maturation, you get more of the, just the oak infusion. Mm -hmm. And then after that period, 
those molecules start to change and transform and get more complex through some, you know, a little bit of magic and a little bit of science. <laughs> um, and so we'll probably wait, you know, between at least three to four years. Okay. That one is very good as well. Mm-hmm. Did you have, a, what's your favorite? I feel like they're both good, but I was just They're curious. both very good. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I really like that. I think I like that. Yeah, I do. More of the, because more of the rye. I know you're kind of a, becoming more of a rye girl. I am. I (laughs) never knew I liked rye so much. Yeah. Um, Well, because when I got into whiskey, I got, it was bourbon. I was just drinking Mm -hmm. bourbon. And then I started trying other whiskeys. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I did it backwards instead of. Trying whiskey than going into bourbon, but um, I realized I really like rice. I like the mm-hmm. all the flavor and spice. And spice yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of spice in rye. Mm-hmm. I think rye can sometimes go into like a little floral, like a like a dark mm-hmm. floral almost. Um, but yeah, that that spice in rye, you know, those nice baking spices, all spice, Cuba berry, you know, <laughs> yes. really really shine in the rye. See, I like the Irish bourbon, but I am more of a bourbon drinker. I'm not a bourbon snob. I will drink other whiskeys. <laughs> we're just all whiskeys. <laughs> we do, yeah, we're all whiskeys. Um, but I, when you were talking about like people that like bourbon, and sometimes they don't like to stray from that. I have some friends that are bourbon snobs, or mm-hmm. just some people I know, and they're like, "Oh, it's not bourbon. I don't want to try it." It's like that's yeah, just, just try. You're it. like, oh my gosh, you're, you're so- closing the door on so many good things. <laughs> Open your mind, Fred. There's yeah. a whole big world out there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now, generally, I like the bourbons better. I mean, there are a lot of good products in everything. I feel like in every yeah. style of whiskey. So for me, I think it's Irish bourbon just because it does have that nice that nice bourbon flavor that I like. But, mm-hmm. but they're both very very good. I, yeah. I take back my previous statement. I didn't start with bourbon. I was the only whiskey I would drink before I got into bourbon was Irish whiskey. Yeah. Okay. I love Jameson, Jameson. and yep. um, Tully's. Tully's, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I we this all started. We watched a bourbon documentary <laughs> and Which it was one? the. Um, I think it's called Grain, isn't it? No, it was. No. Um, neat. Was it Neat. It was neat. neat. It might yeah. have been yeah. neat. It was. On yeah. Netflix. yeah. And then I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to give bourbon a try. And I just liked how like pure it was like and natural. And so we started trying bourbons and I kept more of an open mind and then oh, I love bourbons. And then <laughs> just it went down a rabbit hole of whiskey. And that's like all, that's my go-tos are whiskey and bourbon now. And yeah. 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 It yeah. Was it's, one th- there's so much out there. There's mm-hmm. so, so much out there. And yeah, it's, it's fun, you know, documentaries like that documentaries like, um, oh, I watched one. What was it? It was like a money heist and it was talking about like Pappy gate or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like kind of opening everyone's mind to all these different, different whiskeys and different styles. I mean, you take bourbon itself as a category. Well, then you have, you know, high rye bourbon or high wheat bourbon or high malt bourbon. Um, mm-hmm. And that's going to change the flavor profile. And then, you know, mm-hmm. Irish pot still, Scottish single malt, you know, double distilled, triple distilled. Like it's, it's a whole wide world. And then all the finishes, all the different finishes, yeah. finishing rum casks, finishing Cabernet oh, yeah. casks. All, oh yeah just we're uh we're getting ready to release the irish american that we finished in a madeira cask for 11 oh, months yes and it is to <laughs> die for what are you doing next week you want to come up yes <laughs> <All right. laughs> we'll be there yeah. okay. june 13th i think is is the release date so you come on up i'll give you all a tour we'll taste some whiskey there you go <laughs> Yeah, that's. I saw they were releasing that, and that, I thought of you. We need to get that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. I will mm-hmm. say, watching that um, documentary is like one of the best decisions I made because as soon as we got done with it, she looked at me and she goes, "We need to get more whiskey." And I was like, "Yes, I've been saying this. <laughs> I've been saying it for years, honey." <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it can be a very expensive. Uh, endeavor uh yes yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is. 
Yeah, yeah. I've got a buddy out in Colorado and he he actually has his collection insured and I think it's insured for more than his house. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I'm wow. just like, oh, oh bless you. And he right. would he would bring in like random bottles every once in a while. He brought in a bottle that was was distilled and aged pre-prohibition. And I tried oh, wow. it and it was terrible. It's not awful. <laughs> like I'm so glad we've come so far. Yeah. <laughs> I just recently tried. I can't even remember the brands now. Um. Um. But it was some Dusties. One was from '72, and the other, I think '73. I can't. One of them was great. The yeah. other one was terrible. And I don't yeah. know if it, that's how it was made or if maybe it had some oxidation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe it changed yeah. a little. I'm not sure. I mean, but... it could have oxidation. It could just be a funky batch where maybe the barrels were, you know, at the bottom of the Rick house and just got musty. <laughs> I mean, there's so many factors that can go into it. It's, yeah. it's pretty fascinating. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Very good stuff. It's very good. Very good. Um, is there anything good. else you wanted to add about Keepers Hard or anything in general for our listeners? Uh, I mean, I would definitely say if you if you see a bottle, you know, behind a, a bar or something, try it. You know, mm-hmm. you want to buy it, definitely go for it. It's it's something unique um, mm-hmm. compared to what's what's on the market right now. And we're always coming up with new stuff, so keep an eye out for the stuff that we're we're distilling uh, in house in a couple of years, and then come see us. It's a beautiful yeah. facility, and we'd love to. Very beautiful from photos. Yeah, yeah. Um, we definitely need to make it up mm-hmm. there again. It's only four hours. I know. So <laughs> we can get hours. away. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much yes, for your time. Thank you so much. Really this has been fun. It. I feel like I've learned so much too. And yeah. yeah, this is definitely yeah just such a unique whiskey. And it I'm is excited. We got to try it and absolutely have you on with us. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you so much for, for having me on and letting me talk about, about Keeper's Heart. Yeah, and, and good luck to the Dolphins this year. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully hopefully Tua stays healthy, um, oh, just I for his so. sake in general, not just for the Dolphins, but for his mm-hmm. sake. For his sake, uh, yes. Yeah, hopefully he stays healthy and, uh, yeah, have fun at the game. Oh, it's exciting. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Another huge shout out to Kate Douglas from Keeper's Heart for joining us. That was a very fun interview. That was a lot of fun. Yes. I learned so much. Once again, I I love doing these because I always learn something. I take something away. I have a greater appreciation for the whiskey that we're trying. Yeah. Oh, for sure. From it. Yeah, and, and you laughed at me when I said warm apricots, but that was that was. I got warm apricot. Okay, you had to bring this up. I knew it. I did get. You're right. I don't eat apricots often. I saw your look. Your look at me was like, "What are you smoking, dude?" <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> no, and then I thought about it. You know, I've had those dried apricots. It's exactly where my mind apricots. pulled it from. The yeah. dried apricots, mm-hmm. but it kind of it was warming because it is a whiskey. Yeah, that's exactly where my mind pulled it from. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. I, I like those dried apricots when we have them in your mom's oatmeal. Yeah, the oatmeal she makes. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. Good. But this would not be a proper whiskey episode if I didn't comment on the bottle because I have to comment when there's a really good bottle design. You like, yeah, logos, I bottles. You love the, yeah. the Keeper's Heart bottles. If you, first of all, if you haven't tried Keeper's Heart, you need to go try it. Whether you try, try both. Try their Irish American. Yeah. Try their Irish bourbon. They were both so good and very unique tastes. I also, one of the things I really like, this is a very affordable whiskey. Yes. It's a very affordable whiskey. So, so go, go s- look for it. Yeah. Um, Treat if, yourself. <laughs> find it. <laughs> if you already have seen it, you probably will recognize the logo. Um Let's talk about that logo. I think we should. I think it's worth mentioning because there are two keys on a clock with a keep, like a castle keep at the top. Um, But every piece of this logo was carefully like considered to put it together to tell part of their story. So the well keeper's heart anyway i guess do you want to talk about the keeper's heart part too yeah so the keepers that represents their desire to cherish the important elements of life loved ones time traditions this you know we listened to kate when she first joined us talked about the family and how this mm-hmm. was so much about family and to me that's kind of what that jumps out about that about the keepers 
and the heart, everything they do comes with the heart, passion, and honesty. And again, as soon as we were done uh, talking with Kate, I said I love these because you just you really pick up the passion for mm-hmm. whiskey and distilling from from the distillers, and we definitely got that from Kate for sure. Yeah. So let's break down the local. Logo. The loger? <laughs> I don't know what was coming out of my mouth. I was trying to say logo. <laughs> With Innkeeper's Heart. Um, let's start at the clock. It represents the specialness of time spent together and a reminder from their family to enjoy every moment. I'm going to butcher this, but it is a family Fugit thing. Aura. Yes, which means the hour flies. They That is their family motto and a reminder to slow down and enjoy every moment. What better way to do that than with whiskey? Exactly. <laughs> and then, then we have the two keys that I mentioned that are crossing. Um, it's the invitation from the family to join them um, and unlocking experiences together. And I mentioned the keep, the castle keep that sits on top of the logo. Every castle has a keep. And it's the innermost sanctum where the family's most prized possessions are kept. So their keep represents the specialness of the liquid created by master distiller Brian Nation. Yeah, very for cool. For the Irish side of right. the whiskey. So anyway, just I like the bottle. I like the shape of the bottle. There's keepers in glass at the bottom, and on the back is heart in glass lettering. It's just... It's etched in the... Or, it's not Oh, etched. yeah. It's like it's, raised. Yeah, right? raised. Yeah. But very, it is very cool. Um, and, and I love a good logo. You know, I, I, <laughs> I got to say, obviously I'm biased, but I love our logo. I think our logo is awesome. I think this logo for Keeper's Heart Speaking is awesome. Speaking of our logo, this is a segue into our... May giveaway. It is now you June first. I, I see what that? you did because I was gonna bring this up, and I'm like, oh, you're you're giving me yeah. giving me a way to do it. I was just gonna. <laughs> you're do welcome. It, but all right, um, yeah, May's over. So next Tuesday, tune in. Please don't miss it. If you entered our May giveaway, we will be announcing the winner next Tuesday. Yeah, and don't know what happened to my voice there but yeah <laughs> we did. yeah <laughs> we did say on our tuesday episode this week that we would give our listeners june 1st if anyone goes out and follows us on twitter at old-fashioned fb subscribes to us on your listening platform or leaves us a and leaves us a review mm-hmm. we will add your name to our giveaway Today is the last day to enter. We will be giving away an old-fashioned football t-shirt from the SGPN merch store. Lots of different... Well, there's two different designs and several... Lots of colors to choose from. I feel like we're one of the most... We're well represented in the color scheme. Yes, (laughs) we are. (laughs) And then we will also send you two handshakes of any whiskey that we have reviewed on the show so far i will send you the full list to choose from yeah um and uh, ironically we're we have keeper's heart which is from minneapolis minnesota we are going to have a june contest as well which is being sponsored by a spirits which is in minnesota so that is perfect tune in tuesday to find out what you could win it'll be a full month contest again um we're getting some help out from better edge if you haven't checked them out, make sure you check them out. Make sure you check out Ace Spirits. You can always use code BET to get $10 off your first purchase. I really want to use that code because there's some stuff I want to purchase. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll get more details on that on our Tuesday episode. Do you have anything else? No. How's your whiskeys looking over there? I've finished them. Going once, going twice. Sold. <laughs> Old-fashioned football.